Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. This is Eternal Dirtles! Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and by listeners like you. You can support Eternal Dirtles at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. And now, your hosts, Zach Clark, Nathan Golia, and Phil Blackman. And now, Eternal Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Nathan Gully and Phil Bleckman. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Same. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, he- he- heck of a week. Uh, uh, let's let's start by talking about uh, just following up Eternal Weekend here. Uh, so, we had Cyrus on, we had Eric on. Cyrus came in second in the Legacy event. That's pretty amazing. Yep. The good job. Um, unfortunately he did not win in the finals. It was a fairly heartbreaking finals. Yeah. Um, we, I, we should definitely talk about game two. Cause I think that game two had, had what I would consider the, the play of the match in it. Um, and it was relatively short, so it's easy to talk about. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I was watching it. I was watching the finals on my connecting flight from Pittsburgh to Atlanta and my, and it was, it was on the airplane internet that kind of goes in and out. And I barely, I actually almost missed the end to see what happened. And I did get to see it. And it was just, I thought it was really great, like Magic TV, which almost never happens. It was like a real, it was really great Super Bowls in a way where you had this like player and this team that had so much hype behind them and had come in on this crazy run. It was like one of those Giants Patriots Super Bowls, you know? I don't know. Have you guys ever watched a football game? Like, yes. I, don't know. <laughs> I have, have watched, you ever watched football. football? <laughs> I just I just got that feeling it was like it was back and forth and you didn't know what was going to happen and there were some pretty crazy sequences that Patrick uh, was able to to wriggle his way out of and and Cyrus unfortunately was sort of left on the short end but it was a really well played match on both sides and some really interesting stuff to talk about but it's really like if you didn't get a chance to watch it go to Card Titans Twitch and watch it because it was a really fascinating match. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that um, you know, ha- having Watching the first game, it's it's incredibly heartbreaking just watching him like get blind flipped constantly to to counterbalance. Game two, three times in a row, three yeah, times was, in a row. It, it was, was just like crazy. Three times in a row and twice when it really mattered. Um, yeah, which was which was really upsetting because he almost had it. Uh, like had had two of of like those five I think uh, blind flips not gone off, he would have won. You know. Yep. Um, that said, 
Um, so when we get into game two, uh, Cyrus starts off with a Thoughtseize um, and looks at his opponent's hand. He has uh, a Flusterstorm, a uh, Force of Will, and a couple other cards. I got it, I got it up here. Oh, I great. Here. So what, what are the cards? His, his hand is Double Accumulated Knowledge, Flusterstorm, Ponder, Force of Will, Volcanic Island, Basic Island. Yeah. So this is turn turn zero for Patrick, turn one for Cyrus. Cyrus takes the Force of Will with the Thoughtseize. And at this point, we uh, don't really know what's in Cyrus's hand, do we? Uh, I don't think we got a good look at it. Yeah, unfortunately, I I, I mean, ha had I been blind just looking at this person's hand, I would have taken the Flusterstorm in a heartbeat. But knowing now what, what uh, Cyrus had in his hand, the Force of Will makes so much sense. Yeah, I mean, it's like his only interaction... It makes him tap his mana. So then Patrick plays his island untapped. Let's see what he drew for the turn. I can't really tell what he drew for the turn. I think he just um, says go. Like he draws. He plays. Yeah, he goes yeah. island go. That just that he, he drew the ponder. The, uh, I believe he drew the ponder there. He drew another ponder maybe. So Cyrus plays a brainstorm and resolves it, uh, and then plays a land and passes back to Patrick. Patrick takes his turn, he draws his card. Again, we don't know what it is, but he's drawn two cards, which is interesting that this, in a way, it's almost like crazy this worked out. He draws a card for his turn, does not play a land, cast Ponder. Cyrus immediately responds by fetching an underground sea and going ritual, ritual, ad nauseum. And he draws and that like ad 10 nauseum. cards. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yes, 10 cards, including the tendrils, including two lion's eye diamonds, a cabal ritual, duress. It's pretty crazy. Um... So he does this in response to Patrick's ponder. Now, it's first of all, it's amazing that Patrick drew two cards. Could you imagine if he had drawn a Force of Will in one of those two cards? Yeah, that would have been terrible. That would have been horrendous for, for Cyrus. Though he would have only lost maybe one ritual to, <coughs> to it, excuse me, depending on what Patrick decided to snap off. Um, but the question, I think if Cyrus had won game three, I think we would be talking about this play, this decision to not play the volcanic island in his hand before casting ponder. And I'm really curious as to what you two think about that. I mean, I, what is the utility of casting ponder here without playing a land to at least have the fluster storm up? I, I think in my opinion is, is that um, Patrick was probably on autopilot here and wasn't thinking about anything that his opponent could possibly do uh, in response to that ponder. Cause it's not something, you know, I don't, I don't play the storm matchup very often. And it wouldn't be something that I would think of immediately to, to happen. You know, you expect your opponent, like, to go off on, like, turn three, turn two, you know? And so you want to be ready for that. So shields down at this moment doesn't feel like such a big deal. And in truth, he didn't lose the game right there. He just set himself up to lose the game. So it, my opinion is he, he, was, he was playing on autopilot and didn't really think about what could happen. Um, and, and in that, I, I think he just wanted to keep his options open. That's, I mean, I, I don't think it's a incorrect play to hold the land when you, when you're playing uh, a ponder just to see what happens first. Um, but at the same time, like if you know your opponent can, can do something like that, you're going to want to play a land. Also, the only way that he actually gets punished there for not playing the land is specifically double ritual into ad nauseum. Yes. Uh, since the deck can only kill you at sorcery speed, except when they draw infinite cards off an ad nauseum at instant speed. But the only well, thing... Well, he still kill for the next turn. Like, yeah. if he plays an island there, as opposed to... Like, uh, before when we were talking about this play, I was saying that the reason that you wouldn't is if he was looking for a white source for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know what his board was, but, you know, something like Rest in Peace or something like that. 
But the only thing that you could think of is if he wants to have insurance over clearing away chafe off the ponder, if he finds a fetch. So if he finds good card, fetch bad card, he can fetch away the bad card. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has, he has at but least, if he, he has plays the land before doing that, he's explicitly playing around the potential, the possibility that he has double ritual ad nauseum in his hand. Now, I think that one, you should probably be playing with your shield up at all times since the, your opponent knows about the fluster. But that might also be another reason why you wouldn't play it because your opponent knows about the fluster, so they're not going to just jam into a fluster if, if you have it. Um, that being said, I do think that if you if he played the land first, he's specifically playing around ad nauseum, and that is not necessarily like I can understand why you wouldn't since ad nauseum's a one of, and he and at this point Cyrus has only cast one cantrip, so he needs to find two rituals plus his one of as the way to max punish you for that moment. Um, was it the correct line? No, probably not. He should be playing around everything since his opponent just looked at his hand. Uh, just, you know, be able to cast your spells while you have them since your opponent knows about them uh, until you can fix them, especially since you have that double um, accumulated, accumulated knowledge. knowledge. Off anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, like, just making sure that you can get to the point of double accumulated knowledge at some point since that's otherwise those things are just going to be dead in your hand before before the game's over uh you need to be building your resources to get to that point so maybe that's why he was thinking okay if i find a fetch i need to fetch a white source so i can get my sideboard cards online assuming that he has them and then i'll have a stable enough uh development to then cast off these accumulated knowledges if cyrus can't beat this fluster or if i find an additional force of will or additional counter magic uh, okay, I, I don't want to criticize the guy who I'm not trying to criticize the guy who won the game, and I, I, I won the, was the legacy champion because clearly I, I'm not. I was 621st yeah. out of 628, so I'm not trying to criticize. I, I wouldn't look at play and be like, like "Oh, that dude seriously punted." I don't. Yeah, I don't exactly. That's the thing. It's one no, of those no, questions. No, 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 no. Do you play around everything? Well, here's 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 do you where, play around everything? Here's what I think. So in uh, in limited, when you're playing in a limited Grand Prix, the higher up you get, um, especially uh, in sealed. Um, you need to learn as you do better to play around mythics. Like you're like, it's pretty obvious my opponent's doing well. Part of that is based on his play skill. The other part is based on the fact that he probably has a good pool, right? So you're yep. rewarded for playing against better cards the later you go into into a tournament. I think now it's not completely similar to to legacy, but I think that you have to learn to play against more heads up plays. Um, as you do better in any tournament, you know, it, whatever tournament it is. So uh, he loses str- almost nothing by by dropping that land into play, um, and he he uh, he gains the ability to not lose the game, right? So I think that I think that that was obviously not not the greatest play. The other tip off he probably should have had was the fact that uh, he took a force of will. When in my brain, as as a non storm player. I, I would be like, why did my opponent not take this fluster storm? It's so good, you know. He doesn't want me to be able to cast spells for free against him, and so that that would that should have been a bit of a tip off, I think. That said, again, I'm not uh, I'm also not the legacy champion, so I, I, I'm not going to talk yeah. too much trash. But uh, well, that, I, I think I mean, that those are things. Trash. I want to make sure. We're... Yeah, I think that that I want to make sure are... we're clear about that. But this is not the trash. I just found this so interesting. Yeah. Because the if the guy plays a volcanic island. He wins in two, possibly. I mean, he would have set, he would have untapped that turn with Force of Will. There was a Force of Will on the Ponder that then became worthless yeah. because he knew Cyrus had a duress. So, you know, he's going to have to duress, which is going to take 
um, either the force or the fluster. And also Cyrus is going to, you know, will get to look at his hand before he does anything. And Cyrus has a full grip with double lion's eye diamond. So, like, I mean, he actually did find a force off the ponder. And he would set up going to the next turn with force of will fluster storm. Um, and Cyrus would have done nothing. The question is, can you, like, this is one of those things you could probably only learn by having it happen to you, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I like, mean, yeah, I, I think. Or by watching it. Yeah, I think that it's it's one of those situations where you're like, yep, that that stinks. Like you didn't, you know, you didn't play around that. But at the same time, it's worth us talking about it because it's it's something that can come up, right? Like it's something that now now that we've all seen it happen, right? And we've yeah. seen it happen in one of the most shocking ways, you know. It's it's pretty easy to see what like okay now we need to like now we need to be aware of of this sort of heads up play that can happen. And I think that the value there lies lies in that spot right there, knowing knowing that that sort of thing can happen to you, and then knowing to play around it from now on. When I was playing uh, in the trials with Four Color Loom, um, I was on the I was on the play against uh, I was playing against Turbo Depths, right? And my opponent had what I thought was a pretty bad start. He played a forest, and then on his next turn, he exiled the Simeon Spirit Guide played into the north and got a snow-covered forest and then passed. So he used a card just to hit his land drop. On his third turn, he played a Urborg Tomb of Yawgmoth and then passed back to me. On my turn, I had a, I had a Wasteland, I had a Knight of the Reliquary, and so it's my, uh, you know, I'm going to my um, maybe uh, third or fourth turn. I don't remember if I missed a land drop or I wasted him or something, but the point is I have to tap my Wasteland to cast my Knight. And I'm looking at his board of Forest, Forest, Urborg, and his hand of three cards, and thinking, there is no way I can lose. And I tap my Wasteland and two other lands, and I cast my Knight. My opponent, I'm tapped out, my opponent goes, Crop Rotation, one Forest, four Thespian Stage. Crop Rotation, second Forest, for Dark Depths. Makes the Merit Lage off the Urborg, because the Dark Depths can tap for mana. Yep. And I lose. And that happened on Thursday, and this happened on Sunday. I'm sorry, on Friday, and this happened on Sunday. And I remember thinking the same thing. Like, did I make the – was it wrong to get the knight out as soon as – if I untap with the knight and my opponent has anything but double crop rotation, I win. There's no way – there's no other way for them to get a Merit Lage into play at instant speed, and they need exactly two of them at that moment. But two of the three cards in his hand were crop rotation. I think in that scenario – that explains why he kept – but it explains why he kept the hand that only gave him that that the land draw yeah. on that. You know, you got to think about how my how my opponent played. My opponent kept a hand of seven that only ended up with that ended up with him casting it into the north for a land. I think that and, you probably made the right play there. I I don't think that you can because it's such a a niche level of things to have happen. He needs the Orborg, he needs uh the two lands, and he needs the uh what's it called. Uh, crop the two crop rotations, and he needs you to tap out. That's a lot. That's a lot of pieces to put together, and not all of them rely on him necessarily. So I think that that's probably a fine play. Like he just saw an opportunity to win, and he took it. And he did. I mean, the game was over. That, that's the thing that's so crazy about both of these situations, both Patrick's and my own. It's that, yeah, like, you know, I'm probably not going to lose this turn, but I can lose this turn. And you got to think. You got. You just got to think about every contingency. 
I'm just saying, I'm always like, I'm never like never tap a wasteland against like I I left there thinking like never tap a wasteland against turbo deaths, yeah. you know, just never do it. You could always have another turn because maybe they can't beat one, you know. Yeah. I just I just found this I found this I found this play fascinating. I found that I found myself thinking like I want to talk about it. And I hope that Patrick, if he is listening or if anyone knows him is listening, this is not to criticize him at all. No, because I'm, I think a lot of us have done the same thing. Let me get more information before committing to my land drop. I'm that's, positive that's, that he walked away from that match uh, wiping his brow of sweat and being like, wow, that could have gone really terribly for me had I not had had I not won game one off of all those blind flips. Like game three, he got. Game two, he could have had, you know. Um, so I think I think if anything, it, it was a cautionary tale for for him. I don't think I don't for think everybody. He's, he's upset that uh, that that we're criticizing that particular uh, play. It, it's and it's an interesting that criticizing it. Yeah, well, I, I think I think it's important to to I, I am criticizing it, but I I think it's important to 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 make sure everyone knows that there's no way I wouldn't have made uh, a similar or different plays in either one of those people's fo- uh, uh, foot spaces. You know, like I would have probably taken the Flusterstorm blindly, just like snap Flusterstorms out of there. Now I can, now I can play around uh, uh, the Force of Wills later on or whatever. I wouldn't have thought of that, you know, like it, it was heads up, super heads up play on Cyrus's part there. And, and yeah, like I said, I think, I think uh, Patrick was probably just on autopilot for that, for that one spot. That said, like, I mean, he got all the way to the finals, too. So it's not like, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. We don't, I don't think this is, again, that's why I'm, I don't want to even use the word criticize. I just find it fascinating yeah. that, like, such a little thing could ended up, you know, I mean, he really, Cyrus in game three had an ad nauseum that was so horrendous as to be, like, he's just staring at the cards. Like, I can't believe I just drew the sequence of cards off this ad nauseum, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's another random occurrence that you know he couldn't really do no do anything about. That's just how it worked out. And this one thing is just um, you know so so ended up being so pivotal or could have been so pivotal. But yeah. anyway, I thought that was fascinating. I really think people should watch that finals match. I think the quarterfinals match with Brendan Hagen against Show and Tell was also really interesting. Seeing Brendan play to his outs and find like good sequences. To uh, to take a game off a very tough matchup was was really good too. So, um, just a really I thought a high quality top eight. Yeah. Um, well, let's uh, let's move over to. Let me tell you something, brother. You're here listening to this Eternal Dirtles podcast, but what you need to do is go over to Eternal Dirtles Patreon www.patreon.com slash eternal turtles and show your support brother yeah talking about ultimate masters yes the ultimate masters ultimate masters so we've got these 40 cards that we know about that are in the set um there's not a real good idea of what it means to be an ultimate master like iconic masters we had a good a good rule right like one at least one card from every set ever right or, or was that A25? That was A25. A25 was one card from every set ever. Yeah. There's no themes anymore. It's just insert random adjective before master. Yeah, I, I mean... Oh, this is the last time they're doing it for a while, so... Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like, you know, premium product. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm a sucker for it. 
Um, but man, I just can't get behind the box topper thing, personally speaking. So let's explain what a box topper is. If you buy a box, you get a sealed translucent, I guess. I guess you can see through them. Envelope yeah. that, has, that has a special promo. And there's these 40 of these promos. And I guess the top end of it is Tarmogoyf or maybe Temporal Manipulation, Liliana the Veil, Card Liberated. E.E. It, yep, Engineer yeah. Explosive is also a $100 card. Noble Hierarch, you know. Noble Hierarch. Yeah. Um, and then the bottom end is like your Stirring Wildwood, Manavault. Let's see. My Manavault is not going to be bo- at the bottom. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how much things cost. You cannot but... You cannot get a foil Manavault other than that. So Is that it, the only foil Manavault? That is Manavolt? the only foil Manavault. Yeah. So well, that's, that's... that's going to be a, a, a big ticket item. Wow, I did not know that. I figured that was in some sort of like no judge promo. Uh, Kaladesh invention. Oh, you're right. You're right. I take it all back. You're right. That's it. No, you're right. I mean, other than that, you're right. There's there's nothing else. Um, But (laughs) and I guess a a fifth edition one's twenty five bucks. So I guess I don't. I thought they were like two bucks. No one can play them. But anyway, you don't like the box toppers. Uh, yeah. So here's the thing: is like we're not getting these box toppers for free. You know, like you buy a box, um, you're paying basically like an extra $50 for this, for this box topper, you know, like you can go to target or Walmart and buy three packs. Let's say you buy eight, three packs at 24 packs, and it's going to be $56 cheaper, uh, than, than buying a sealed box of, uh, ultimate masters. So you're actually paying $56 for a lottery ticket here. You, you want this reminded me of this just reminded me of, uh, these box toppers is just the same way of saying expeditions, except instead of for packs, it's for boxes. Yeah. It's We're, actually more frequent than yeah, expeditions. Because there was like got one every, every three boxes uh, about. So you're, they're a little less, uh, less infrequent. Um, but the thing that I think is, it's cool. Like I love the art, the art's neat, you know, the full, the full border situation. Very cool. Um, you know, and some of these cards I want, you know, like I want four noble hierarchs, you know, full art, super sweet. I, I wish they weren't foil. Yeah. I mean, I don't but... even mind. I'm sure the foiling for, for these is probably going to be okay. I, it's not going to be like from the vault foils. Um, but that said, like we haven't seen to, to, to go in on a box just now when we haven't seen any of the rares in the set, none of the uncommons or, you know, some of the uncommons we're seeing, you know, because they're box toppers like i mean dude if you get a kitchen finks box topper jump off a bridge that's the worst you know like um or or (laughs) the uh or the eternal witness box topper come on these are terrible bale fire dragon i guess it's probably not the worst but it's not great tassiger you know like no one one needs tassiger (laughs) like you're not even playing that in legacy um i'm i mean people are playing them in it's a, it, the thing is, it's a dollar for a Fate Reforged one. Yeah. And a promo Fate Reforged one is is nine bucks. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, so I, I don't know. I, I I like I like master sets. I'm not I'm not hating on master sets. Um, I don't like this like almost. It feels pay to play. It's it's almost political. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, where where you're paying your local for a box, you're spending too much for a box to live the dream. Of you know, right now you can get a box for uh, two sixty five if you, if you uh, if you go out there with a box topper, right? Two sixty five. 
Um, you're basically paying an extra 50 bucks for the chance to open up a Lava Claw Reaches or a Kitchen Finks. You know, when the dream is to is to get like foil life from the loam or you know foil temporal temporal manipulation or foil Karn, you know foil Snapcaster Mage. You know, more often than not, you look at the value here. It, are any are all of these cards going to be worth over fifty dollars? I don't think all of them will. Well, what's the expedi- Like, what's the the baseline for that? The invocations. I guess so. Like, here's so here's the thing with invocations. I did a little research on invocations. Um, if you bought invocations about uh, two months after the set came out, they were at their cheapest. Um, and then there was a buyout right after that. Um, so if you could get in right before the buyout, you'll probably get these at a great price and they'll go up, right? Um, so what's the worst invocation? One of the gods? Uh, probably, uh, yeah, like one of the gods or like uh, uh, divert is is relatively low still. Uh, I think Black Vice is pretty it's pretty low as far as uh, not invocations but inventions. Um, Desolation Angel is twenty bucks as an invocation. I can't even read these cards. Yeah, sorry I mean, that's, everybody. That's, that's whatever <laughs> it is. But like, so I, personally speaking, if I'm gonna spend two hundred and fifty dollars on on a hope and a dream, right? Why not just get singles? I, I think you're gonna get any of the singles you want because the prices on all of these singles, which are great, like I want these ancient tombs. They're sick. Uh, Fulminator Mage, I don't have a set of those. Uh, Leovold, you know, all the prices of all of these cards are going to drop. Um, it's great. Like, we're going to be able to get these cards at, at a reasonable value. Also means that when you spend $250 and one of your and you get one of these box toppers, initially the price is going to be pretty low on them. They'll go back up. But initially, you're, you're going to feel like you didn't get your value. So I think... For for my druthers, I, I I'm going to spend my my 250 or 500 dollars depending on whether or not I get one or two boxes. I'm gonna spend that on singles from this set for stuff that I actually want. Yeah, I mean it really it the the box opening and pack opening overall is just is just if you like rolling the dice like yeah I mean I love rolling the dice I mean, I'm I, I I'm I am the target audience for that and, and I'm <laughs> I always like I'm the guy who opens the foil Wargorger dragon. Uh, when when I buy a box, it's the worst, you know. Like I I, I want I, I don't want to I don't want to gamble like that this time around. I would love to get a foil demonic tutor full art. That's super awesome. But like I know I know I'm gonna end up with like uh you know uh during Wildwood or like a raging ravine or something, which is, which are cool. But like I just don't think that I, that's that's where I want to be. I, yeah, I don't think the I don't think the, the the chance of getting a dud is worth it. I thought you could buy. I thought I would buy a box and then just keep the sealed box topper, wait a couple years, and then sell that. You yeah, know? but apparently you can see. Through apparently them, they're so. searchable, yeah. which really is just the worst. Yeah, it's a real bummer. What's the point? I mean, if there's the thing is like I w- I was like like just make him clear anyway. Then the, I guess the reason to not make him clear is so the stores don't you know pre hoard them, don't yeah. pick the boxes from their case to open that have the best box toppers. But now they can just search them anyway, yeah. so it doesn't even matter. Like the point of making it, tr- like when I saw that they were trans or um, opaque, I thought that you know, okay, I'll just buy a box, sit on the box topper for a while. Eventually, I'll want something that I don't want to spend real money on, and I'll trade it like I did with my Crucible of Worlds playmat. I traded it for an actual Crucible of Worlds, yeah, which I always thought was a pretty funny deal. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, but you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's too bad. I, the thing about Ultimate Masters is that this is the 
the, the third Masters set since um, November of 2017. And it's the fourth, ma- fourth Masters set since March of 2017. So there's been seven Masters sets. And the first, what, three to four of them, you want to say, took four years to come out. Yeah. And then the next three to four of them were like a year to year and a half, depending on how you want to measure it. Yeah. It's, it's not a good look for, this, for the company. Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking about know. this a little, a little before. Uh, makes me a little, maybe a little nervous. I mean, what do you think? So, so we can we can look at this and we can cu- come to some, clu- some conclusions. The, are they right? Are they wrong? I don't know. But this looks like a, a company in trouble, you know? It looks like, to me, I remember I'm a business reporter by trade. So, like, we've got to watch what happens in markets and watch what happens in business. You know, it, it, sometimes things you have to take, like, a longer view. Like I just said, I was like, boy, I feel like we just had a bunch of master sets. And we did. That was less than – when was Hascon? Hascon like, was, like, uh, what, like March? Around this no, time. No, no, it was, it, was, it was, like, September. Hascon yeah. was September. So, like, I mean – you know, that was like the big unveiling for Iconic Masters. Iconic Masters. And then the actual release, the actual release was until November. Yeah. So, um, you know, really that even compresses the timeline more. Um, and I don't know if, you know, I, I'm not, again, I'm like, I, we don't know their numbers or what their goals are. You know, we have a lot of, we have a lot of, we could make our own guesses. But I'm just like, man, you're putting out another master set. Oh, another reprinted Tarmogoyf. Another, like another reprinted Liliana the Veil. You know, like they just happened. Like they just happened. Yeah. And I understand. And then it's like, well, what's your goal? Are you trying to make modern more accessible? But doesn't that put in, put impact on standard? You're just they're just cannibalizing. They're just they're just cannibalizing all their their market. You know? Yeah. Are they? Or are they just like netting insane value because everybody's willing to spew money on literally everything? Well, I think that's their hope is that people are out there just going. I'll just buy all of this, right? And that hasn't worked for the last three master sets. What are you talking about? Yes, it does. Every single master set outside of Iconic has like made them a bajillion dollars, including this the the like specialty planeswalker thing that they that this whole debacle had started from that sold out. It's it's like netting them just like bajillions of dollars. Like it's it's literal infinite because we're degenerates that want to pimp out everything. How do you feel about this, Phil? Actually, I was wondering because this is like pre-altered cards since they're borderless but i don't know how you feel about foils um i don't like foils and altars at the same time yeah i think it's like the cards look really nice i do like the way they look the cards are really nice i mean the one thing that this that they're now getting good with is that you know that they're printing uh whoever the printers are whatever factories that they're using their machines are actually now super precise and they don't actually think there's any margin of error or that much margin of error that they can't swallow any, uh, any mistakes. Because the whole point of borders initially was to give room for slight miscuts yeah. to not ruin a whole card. And so to not extend past the border was because if they you know, have a slight miscut, then the entire card will be thrown off because then you'd have some of the artwork from one card on whatever card would be next to it because you don't share... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah of course. So either they are adding in blank stock in between to protect from that, which means that they're only printing half per sheet, or <clears throat> the machines are just super precise now and they don't have to worry about uh, miscuts happening at uh, a high enough percentage that they care. 
And so they can do these full art extensions. Um, I think it's fun that like, you know, I mean, I've had altered extensions for, you know, a long time in terms of my legacy collection and to see other people that are like, oh man, these extensions are awesome. It's kind of cool to be like, oh yeah, like, uh, my, my taste is, uh, popular amongst the, the hive, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say like, I, I, I went to altering, uh, primarily because I wanted to have a, a uniqueness to my cards, my feel when I'm in my play experience. I, I just didn't like foils. Cause of, I don't uh, like foils either. And it's too bad. This Gorio's, this Gorio's vengeance is gorgeous. I love it. It's almost like old time magic art. Um, it's really creepy, really good texture. Well, you the reanimate looks looks super sick too. Actually, yeah. The Tassiger, I don't really like. It's a little weird. Yeah. Um, the the Tassiger is just like super bondage, sort of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really. Uh, no, there are zero bananas, so that's a problem. Yeah, everybody's really hyped on the bananas, <laughs> and I'm like, it, it must be like a shame for if if you're that artist and you're like proud of the artwork that you did on that Tassiger, and then you just get a bunch of hate because you're like, no bananas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should have known, too, man. This, this Tarmogoy part, I think, is also a little bit more of a throwback style. The colors are a little bit less uh, computery. It's a little bit more comic art looking. I could see changing my Tarmogoyfs to the to the uh, pack versions of these. Jeez, if Tarmogoyfs ever a playable card again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, Phil's got an interesting point in that they could just being like, well, here's, people are, are buying everything we put out. I, I would be interested in hearing from, uh, you know, game store owners if that's the case. I just can't imagine your magic budget. Here's the side thing on it, right? If you have 20 million players worldwide, not everybody is going to buy everything. Correct. And putting out just a mass volume of product and everybody going, how is everybody going to keep up with all this? Well, not everybody's going to keep up with all of it. That's that's the point. They're trying to get as much of their 20 million players as they can from their casuals to their enfranchised competitive players. So when it comes to these like high-end master sets with like actual tournament playable staples, they're appealing to players like us. But they'll throw in some sprinkles for the casual players. Read the, you know, eight mana dragon that does something derpy, right? Yeah. Lord of Vers Extinction. <laughs> yeah, versus like uh, for a commander set, like, or I mean, not for a commander set, for a player. Yeah, commander set or a conspiracy or something like that. Like, they are not targeting us, but they will sprinkle in cards that will get us interested in the product. So it's like they have a main focus. Like a Leopold, yeah. The splash damage from it by adding in a couple of things for you know certain uh sections of their player base but the fact that there's so much output of like different cards and sets away from their main sets and like uh, that that's them trying to get as many of their player base as they can people are willing to spend the money and also printing these cards versus printing anything else costs them the exact same thing like printing a, a these these altered extended foil fucking Armagoyfs and reprints and whatnot, it costs them the same thing as if they were printing a bunch of commons nobody gave a shit about, right? So, like, they are, this is the closest thing that you actually get to just being a mint that's printing money. Yeah. <laughs> no, that much I, I agree with. So, so here's the, here's, here's, uh, where I'm going with, with all this. Let's say Wizards is doing fine. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. Dude, um, their earnings, the, the quarter was up. Hasbro's quarter was up. Like, Magic is doing great. 
Well, we do have to worry about what happens to Hasbro after Christmas because Toys with Toys R Us being gone, Hasbro has to figure out distribution now. Yeah, dude, distribution is Amazon. That's a monopoly. Yeah. So, I mean, well, he, that's the thing is that they're not uh, are people are kids buying toys anymore. That's that's what we're going to find out this Christmas. Like, well, dude, kids here's the thing, toys. right? So, like, the whole thing with with the whole thing with like the big box places and Amazon and things like that mm -hmm. is Amazon will let you sell products on their site, and then they'll come up with a way to just like make the same product and undercut you. Yeah, Hasbro's insulated against that because it's all IP. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree with that. Well, I think that what what you're saying, Zach, is whether or not they're gonna have a, a slower than normal Christmas because yeah. one of their major distributors went out. I think that'll be a way to be seen. I don't know how many people actually went to Toys R Us, buy toys, and you can buy toys at Target, and you can buy toys at Walmart. Um, you can buy specialty toys, which is actually, as a former toy industry reporter, um, that's where magic would actually fall, would be like in the specialty yeah. realm anyway. Um, I'm not but, so worried uh, about about how Wizards is doing. Wizards is doing great. It's the rest of Hasbro that I'm kind of concerned about. Um, it, and in that... How much control does Hasbro have over Wizards as far as like what they want them to do, what kind of pressures they put on them? You want to know how we also know? We, you want to know how we know that Magic is also doing super well? Hmm. Is that Hasbro's willing to put to dump a ton of their money into Arena? Sure. Yeah. No, I think that I think that, but I also think that that was a decision that happened before before Toys R Us was a was a real issue. Um. That that said, I don't think they're going to back off from uh, Arena at this point. They're they're 100% into Arena. Here's here's what I'm actually getting at is how close are we getting to a point where um if Hasbro starts to do not as good as they want to do that they start pushing uh Watsi to make wonkier decisions um in that like how far away do you think we are to seeing the uh, reserve list reprinted in one of these master sets eventually. Now it won't be called a master set, obviously, because they're going to change the name of the masters thing. But uh, how far, how bad does Hasbro have to do before they they pressure Watsi to make a make a play? Zero percent. Zero percent. You don't think it'll happen at all ever? I don't. Like, well, here's here's where it comes. Like, legacy is not. Like it's it's supported enough to keep us around, mm -hmm. but it's not there. It's not what they make money on, and neither like modern is their biggest format. But modern is like they get that from their like ancillary products like the master sets, mm -hmm. right? So as long as they're printing these master sets with modern being their biggest thing, and if they ever wanted to like you know raise the value of more cards to make something else happen, all that they need to do is sanction a new format, right? Like. That is, that is interesting, an interesting point. Frontier or whatever from a while ago, right? And the top cards in that was like Jace Vryn's Prodigy or whatever. Jace Vryn's Prodigy, which is like 15 bucks or whatever right now, if they just sanction Frontier and that card's a four of in the best decks, that card's easily $100 and they can reprint that for a bajillion dollars. Like, yep. They, they have... They, they, that is true. We are playing in their sandbox. Like, they're not... They don't have to do anything. We're going to play because we're in franchise players and we like playing the game and it's a way that we've connected with our friends. We're in it for reasons beyond the fact that like, oh, this is shitty and that's shitty, right? Like I, the, the, the episode that we had last week, I was saying I think Legacy is not good right now and I don't think it's very good right now. I think they're like the, the format, the replayability of the games is, is super 
monotonous to me at the moment. But at the same time, I still can go to the legacy events if I can with friends that want to go. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I think there that... are other things that keep us around. Like, if they want to print more money, they can print more money. I want to make a quick point about something that I did this week, which was I did a guest spot on the Dead Format podcast. Who did a whole, they had done a whole thing on the reserve list. Um, and they did a, a good job of identifying or of sort of expl- explaining the uh, business case for the reserve list. And then we basically, um, myself and then uh, Jerry and Pat from uh, from Leaving a Legacy went on, and the debate was whether or not they should be making the best choice for their players or best choice for their business. And that's basically what it comes down to with the reserve list. Like, you know, what it's what players want, you know, versus what's good for the business in, in some way or another. The thing is getting more people into modern, and that comes down to how you feel about modern as a business strategy for Wizards of the Coast. Because... This set is not going to feed standard, and it's going to take some amount of standard budget or time away. I don't think. I mean, I don't. I, don't, I think there's enough crossover between people who will want to buy some of this and not buy standard product or something, or not play. Well, there are people who would who would set. spend their money on standard sets instead of spending their money on this, right? Like that. Th- there is that like, you know, uh, Venn diagram of like people who play standard but also would would readily spend their money on eternal staples instead you know what else is a a, a reasonable assessment too is like people have been like balking on i can't think of the right word right now but they've been like shitting on standard for the last like what two years three years right like it's not the most popular format anymore so instead of resources into making standard at at like their top format they're printing all these ancillary products to get people in the game in other ways because they realize that standard isn't their flagship that they can just ride all the time anymore. But what's it's the potential like customer flagship growth? flagship has to be commander, right? Like, What's the potential customer growth from a form, format that doesn't require you to print new cards? I mean, it's such an interesting... It, it's just a really interesting question that I'm not sure I have the answer to. The idea that standard... Like, and really limited, I think, is the thing that you got to think of here. Like, It's not so much standard that that pushes new cards as limited because limited is literally you go in and buy three packs, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they they can't ask for more than that. You can play standard without ever buying a pack and you're only buying stuff on the secondary market. I mean, sure. It has to be cracked from packs, but that's not something that, so, I mean, stores are doing that to make, you know, to make money if the, you know, EV is high enough. So like, it's just, it's, they have to keep putting out something that rotates that, that keeps things fresh and modern is not that, you know, like, you know, occasionally like new decks break out, but modern's a pretty, you're pretty sure what's good. You know, it has no, a different reputation on. than legacy. They printed Ixalan. That gave them the one-two flyer that uh, pirate that duresses somebody, freebooter. And then yeah. all of a sudden, Cavern of Souls were $150. Like, yeah, so they print more Cavern of Souls, and you know if they ever make a change to that, I'm looking like at the Cavern top. Of Souls, Cavern of Souls was a, 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 a moderately expensive card, like most playable cards in Modern are, and then they printed an uncommon that made a deck, and then that deck made these rares that were played as four ofs turn into hundred dollar bills. Yeah, yeah, but not for Wizards. Wizards doesn't sell them for hundred dollars. No, 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 no. But I'm saying that like you can get your players into that, where then when you print your like. Them making like that card, which you know, it's like I don't know if they can plan for these things specifically, but them making that card turns humans into a deck, 
which makes Cavern of Souls a $100 bill, which means that if they then put Cavern of Souls into a Masters reprint set, they will sell that set. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm looking at this from the wrong from the wrong perspective. Then I I I see it as like this is a lot of reprints and a lot of eye being taken off the standard ball, and that makes me wonder what's going on over there, a little bit. I, I just don't think that they're entirely focused on standard the way that they might have in the olden days before their player base was as big as it is now, and before they had really bad consecutive standard formats. Um, making sure that all those things line up properly is really hard because you're trying to get reprints into like lower prices, which means that the, the, the most effective way to do that is by putting it in, into a standard set. But a lot of these cards that are overpriced are overpriced because they're too good for standard. And so if you want to put those cards into a, a format, then the rest of the format has to achieve that power level. And then it's really hard to maintain a really high and also flat power level. Yeah. Because well, you it's funny. You have, the card you, you have certain cards that are just way more powerful than others. That's where you get shit like Hazaret that just breaks a format, or Thought Season Mutavault that break a format, or fucking Emrakul and uh, Smuggler's, Smuggler's Copter that break a format. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that though, because uh, I'm looking at a deck now. Kite Sale Freebooter is like 75 cents. Militia Bugler, which is another card that was in M19 that's in Hubert's deck, is is 75 cents or 50 cents. And the only other card that made it recently into this deck, Knight of Autumn's like four bucks, but that's like a jack of all trades for standard. You know, that's that's modern. I mean, we're looking at modern. I I, I don't know. I, I just um it, it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot for it's like a fire hose of new cards all the time. But maybe you're right, Phil. Maybe they're just saying like we're just gonna go instead of doing some things for some people some of the time, we're gonna do everything for everybody all the time. And so we're going to put out our spell books at the same time we put out our ultimate masters, the same time we make new standard sets. Maybe just that simple. Yeah, dude, there are people in this game that just collect the cards. Right? Like, just getting it one I, of everything. I can't even fathom what that would be like because that seems like a waste to me, but I also put paint on my cards, so I don't know. <laughs> right? It's like. At the, there's also like to just jump back to the point where you were like, how many uh, things do they do for players versus how much do they do for business? 100% every decision is for business. 0% is for players. And I don't mean that in a way where they're like, oh, we don't care about the players. I mean, they're going to look at what is good for business. And then from all of those things that are good for business, they'll be like, okay, what would be the most effective for that our players would want? Yeah. You know, they're not coming from a place of, oh, this would be sweet for our players, but it's going to be really shitty for our bottom line. Let's swallow this. That's they, they, they have never done anything like that before. One quick thing to note about if they really wanted to like, you know, create new reprint equity, they'd sanction a new format. They've got a problem. The big problem with Frontier, that as from what I heard from a gameplay perspective, was that it was just like all the worst of the last few standards. Um, uh, and it's funny because like Modern starts at Mirrodin, which is like one of the worst standards ever. You know, from a gameplay standpoint, as far as people have said, um, but it had so many more other standards to draw on. I guess, like they can't really, and they've they've also set the precedent that a card frame change is the line that you draw to um, to uh, to uh, what's the word looking for here to to delineate a format, right? Yeah. So. But that makes that creates the problem with the fact that it just puts fetches and fetchable duels into yet another format. And one of the things that people will say that the two most prominent non-rotating formats have in common 
as a negative is that it's just the it's that mana means mana is meaningless and you can just do whatever you want you know yeah like um because of the fetch land i mean also though just as a side note like fetch lands is that that's that's something that is a point of business right like fetch lands sell product because those are the best types of lands to be playing for your mana base but also fetch lands are the most damaging one of the most damaging designs for the game that's ever happened. Right, exactly, exactly. Playing pre-modern, fetch lands are legal, but not used all the time is interesting, you know, um, just because of, for that reason. Like, it's it's like, if I don't want to use a fetch land, it actually is very, it feels almost liberating. Like, oh, I don't have to splash this third color in there, because no one else is going to splash a third color, or, you know. Um, but, you know, I, so they've got a problem with, like, the point of there is that the next format they make, uh, what the line is going to be and what the ban list is going to be, and then getting it to take off just so they can what make a certain, you know, get a little bit more equity from reprinting stuff from cons of Tarkir or, uh, you know, geez, it's cons in the battle for Zendikar, right? Which is a pretty bad set. I mean, it's so, also I mean, it's, the, the, the one thing on their uh, cards that where we were like, oh, yeah, these cards, they can just reprint them on all those things from these sets is a lot of the cards that they're reprinting are, you know, and that, that's like the point, like we were talking about, you know, when Tarmogoyf is ever playable again. The only reason that Tarmogoyf is playable in the first place is because fetch lands exist. Yeah, yeah right. Half of every ban list is banned because fetch lands exist. Top, too good. Oh, why fetch lands? Death right, too good. Oh, why fetch lands? Like, all the delves. Every time, oh, every Why fetch lands? Like, the, the, the fetch lands, like so many cards pay the sins of what fetch lands are actually the 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 problem yeah i'm not even making words anymore <laughs> no I, I do just well the thing is well tarmogoyf wouldn't be legal this far though that's one of those things that i've always argued you could put tarmogoyf in standard fairly easily like it probably wouldn't be that good like death right did nothing in standard death right did nothing in yeah standard. it was it was literally just a card you played if you wanted if you wanted some sort of non-attacking closer in yeah. jund um you know treasure cruise dig through time didn't break standard it is it is funny how that works Obviously, they're not going to do that because the reprint equity on Tarmogoyf would go way down if it wasn't a mythic in a limited environment like the master sets are. Here's the thing, dude. If, if you were, if, if every fetch land in all of the Eternal formats, if every land, let's say, let's say you just looked at every land that wasn't a fetch, and on those lands, they also said you just get a lotus petal. I'm going to play this island, and when I do, I also get this lotus petal. Okay. Yeah, really good, right? Yes. Was there a point? <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> like the 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 idea of like all of these. I I don't know what where where the the topic is going anymore. But like a bunch of the problem cards are fetch lands, but fetch lands also make all those problem cards worth a lot of money. And all those cards that are worth a lot of money have a way of showing up in all of these master sets that make wizards a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I get what you're saying. So anyway, that's my point too. Like, well, you're gonna either not start at cons, which which would break your, break your, uh, you know, break your uh, your um, new format idea that people have had. Um, now you're setting up a different precedent, which means you could push back on modern to an earlier set, or um, you ban the fetch lands immediately in your new in your new in your new uh, format, which takes the reprint equity away from them. No, because, I mean, uh, they could also just have, like, they could just make a format where they're like, hey, here's this modern format. 
you can't play more than two color decks, right? The two color deck format. Yeah, right. Whatever. You can just put That's whatever a... you want, and then all of a sudden, whatever new decks come out of that as the best decks, those cards will then skyrocket if that format is actually played and sanctioned. I mean, Leovold is in this new set, and that's one of the cards that I think is it's not direct. You you wouldn't see direct correlation between that being good and Fetchlands being good, but like the fact that Check Pile or Four Color Control top aided Eternal Weekend last week will show you that just that's just how good Fetchlands are. You can basically put whatever you want in your deck, and one of the reasons that I think Fetchlands and Fetchable Duels make formats more expensive is because yeah, you get to play three color cards. And if they, they're not going to want it, they're going to want to make it so it's as playable as possible. You're going to have a bad play experience. I, I don't know. I find I, I, it's a really interesting. They're they're a very interesting. I think 2019 is going to be a very big year for Magic and sort of seeing what what it sort of shakes out as. Like you got Arena out there, which is a totally different kind of economy. On top of that, like Arena is nothing like as an economy, nothing like you know what you're used to. And um, if that's what they want to do, that's a totally different. You know, it's a totally different thing. Um, and it's going to impact how people relate to the game in the real world. Why do I have to, you know, why do I have to get all these terrible rares in packs when I could just get a wild card? Or like, why don't I get free rares for opening a box? You know, that's what happens in Arena. You just get free whatever card you want. So there's no randomness. But that's the case. You got to yeah. open a lot of stuff. I really wish can. that there were more uh, mythic gold cards or mythic uh, ticket cards in real life. Yeah, <laughs> I want to make a point about a quick gameplay point. I wanted to say about Tarmogoyf. Played my blue black depths deck in a league yesterday, and I played against a deck like a bug deck. I would have I won the I won the match two zero. I would have lost it zero two if he had been playing Gurmag Angler instead of Tarmogoyf. I just fatal push snap fatal push to Tarmogoyfs, and uh, that bought me enough time to execute my combo. It's just it's it's so warping. Like, I don't know, like, that, I looked at that and I was like, it wasn't so much that, you know, I, I was like, why would you ever not play Gurmag Angler in this kind of deck? It was like a, you know, a bug mid-range deck. Just, you know, another card that gets shoved to the side so that we can have Delve. Whatever. Well, I think that pretty much extends that entire conversation as far as we can go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fetchland's bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, I... I you guys have anything else to add to the to the cast today? Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> no, I think I think we're I think we're burnt out. <laughs> we do want to say that your blue black depths deck, uh, as I was pondering it more, uh, it made me think of the control decks that were splashing the reanimator combo for a kill. Yeah. Yep. That it kind of makes sense to do this uh, the same thing and move into a, a control deck that just has the dark depths combo as a kill. But instead of trying to play like turbo depths, you're playing control depths. Um, and I thought that that was really intriguing. And I think there's a lot of room left to explore that idea. Uh, so I hope you keep coming up with lists. I would actually challenge to move away from the things that you had like Tombstalker and move into harder control cards that just happen to have the depths combo in it. Well, yeah, we could th we could talk about it when i play a little bit more i was a little under the weather this week and uh, i played one league and i didn't do very well though i was pretty sick i probably shouldn't have actually played at all i made a couple of actual errors too like i'm learning my own deck which is interesting like i made a I, I made a land drop incorrectly and that like lost me a, a round against burn like because i basically had to you know i had to beat burn real fast and i had to like get the dark depths in play 
but instead I, w- I just like instinctively thought, oh, I don't want to play the Dark Depths right now into Wasteland, but I knew it doesn't have Wasteland, so I kind of screwed it up. Um, so it's it's fun, and I do think that uh, the Depths combo versus Reanimate, the, the the idea I had there was doesn't get turned off by the graveyard hate that's everywhere. So something to think about. We have a new patron, Jonathan Peterson, by the way. So thank you, oh, yeah, John. Thanks. Or becoming our new next patron. That's what I was thinking a second ago. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think I'm out of I'm out of ideas. Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's see what what pops up next week. I think it'll it'll probably just be you and uh, you and Phil next week because I will be in Florida for a week. That's right, Phil. We got to think of something fun to give the guys while uh, while Zach's out. Guys and girls who listen. Dude, say. I don't know anything that isn't fun or shitting on pet plans. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that does it for for us this week. Thank you for listening, everyone. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrials.com slash eternaldirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.